Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday evening as I'm coming to you several hours after the Nuggets' first win in the playoffs this season. The Nuggets take Game 1 over the Utah Jazz, 135-125 in overtime. It was an excellent game. Had a lot of fun watching it. There were a lot of ups and downs. Lots of crazy things that we're going to talk about here. Uh, This episode of Nuggets Numbers is going to just mostly be focused on takeaways from that game, as well as some things to talk about for Game 2, which is on Wednesday. Uh, It's a quick turnaround. The Nuggets are going to be in this situation the entire bubble, where they're they're really going to have a short memory uh, in terms of going from Game 1 to Game 2. Game 2 to Game 3 will be Wednesday to Friday. Every single game that the Nuggets will play in the bubble going forward will be followed by one rest day and then the next game. So it's kind of crazy, but it's a great way to start out. The Nuggets win this one in overtime. Jamal Murray was the hero of this game. We're going to talk all about it for sure. Uh, If you're new to this podcast and you're just tuning in, uh, really appreciate you tuning in for the first time. Uh, please, if you enjoy it, leave a rating and review on the iTunes, uh, on Apple Podcasts and iTunes and things of that nature. Uh, a subscription would be great as well. Really enjoying covering this team from all angles and, and having a good time podcasting about this group. So without, a, without further ado, let's get straight into it. Let's start with Jamal Murray. That's really the only place that we can start. Jamal Murray was unbelievable in this game. He really started slow, but slowly worked his way into the swing of things, had several times throughout the game where he was just looking unstoppable out there. He had two points in the first quarter, but then he went on a massive run in the second quarter. I think he scored 12 of of his 14 points in the first half. In that one little stretch, uh, truly changed the game and put the Nuggets over the top in that stretch. Completely went, completely went off. Uh, he looks unguardable out there against this Utah team. I don't think that they have the right personnel out there to really bother him. And with Rudy Gobert continuing to drop back into drop coverage, with him having to focus on Nikola Jokic consistently, I don't see this changing anytime soon. Jamal Murray's locked in. He understands what he has to do from this perspective. In in total, he dropped 36 points, 9 assists, went 13 of 20 from the field, 6 of 9 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line. 
Nine three-point attempts compared to just 11 two-point attempts. I really think that stands out. Murray has found a way to really make sure that his game is as efficient as possible. Had a couple of times where he took some mid-rangers that were a little bit of the leaning variety, not necessarily as efficient, but overall, I thought he took a lot of efficient shot attempts tonight, or today. This was this game was at 11.30 a.m., so definitely today. Um, but more than anything, he just was playing with so much more poise, control, and doing the high-level playmaking and shot-making that you need from a player of his caliber, that you need from a star. Make no mistake about it, Murray is having a star turn in this bubble. He looked great when he first came into it. I, I commented on this when I first saw him in, in the Orlando game. He just looks like a different player. He's clearly added weight. They've talked about him adding 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. It looks like all of it went to his shoulders and his legs. Um, that dude is strong now. When he gets switched onto somebody bigger, he doesn't back down in any way, shape, or form. He had multiple times earlier in this bubble where he was backed down by a larger player and didn't give up an inch. And then with the athleticism that he's really added to his shot profile, there were a lot of times where he was going up against Rudy Gobert tonight, where he really just had the ball on a string, was able to get where he needed to go, and was able to attack the rim and not be afraid. I don't think Rudy Gobert blocked one of his shots tonight. And it wasn't for lack of trying. Murray attacked him. He absolutely went at him. And there were a lot of situations where he was very deceptive with it, very off-kilter dribble. Uh, had a lot of stop-and-go situations, would snake the dribble over to the other side a little bit more. Uh, he looked great. He just he was in a lot of control. But then the high-level shot-making at the end of this thing was what really won it for Denver. Murray scores 20 of his... 36 points in the last six minutes of the fourth quarter and overtime. He was a playmaker. He ran the show for the Nuggets down the stretch, was excellent. Jokic got them to that point. Murray sealed the deal, really did a great thing, and it really speaks to how much he's taking the dynamic duo stuff seriously because the Nuggets know that they need him. They signed him to a max deal, and... There are a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, who I've talked to who don't necessarily believe that Jamal Murray deserved the, the deal that he got. Admittedly, at the beginning of his contract, I, I think, and when, when he first signed that extension, I was surprised. But I understood it because he earned that, and he earned that look with what he did in the playoffs last season, and it looks like he's just going to build from there. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he continues to do. I hope this is the start of more great things to come. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to continue performances like this. Maybe not to this degree, but he's going to be great. I really do believe that. Let's talk about Nikola Jokic, who matched up with Rudy Gobert throughout this game. And it really was a matchup between those two specifically because Rudy Gobert... His minutes are almost entirely, if not entirely so, matched up with Nikola Jokic's minutes. When Jokic is on the floor, that means Gobert is on the floor. When Jokic leaves, that means Gobert gets his rest. Um, that's a lot of responsibility for Rudy Gobert. But Nikola Jokic was up to the task in this one. He scored 29 points of his own, had uh, 
10 rebounds as well. He was 11 of 21 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, 3 of 3 from the line. A lot of the shots that he had against Gobert, not necessarily set up by Jamal Murray, although the last one was the most important one, and that was. But Jokic started this game by going at Gobert in isolation, by going at him in the post. And that's the most important way to attack Gobert, at least at the outset. Because the Jazz have a system that doesn't necessarily allow them to give a lot of help to Gobert. They want him to be the best possible one-on-one defender out there. And it's very possible that he could be. Uh, Jokic has had his way with Gobert, but he's also had a lot of opportunities to figure him out. And Gobert also went back at Jokic and blocked his shot a couple times. He he made him work on a lot of situations. Uh, Jokic missed a potential game-winning layup in regulation, and he was really mad at himself, but Rudy Gobert was right there. He challenged almost every shot that Jokic took tonight. And Jokic responded in a big way. He made some big threes. Four of seven from three is a big deal. Because if Jokic can continue spacing the floor like that and drawing Rudy Gobert out, he's going to be in a great position to continue to dominate, continue to do the things that he needs to do to set up the rest of the Nuggets offense. I will say, I can't believe that the Nuggets offense was as good as it was tonight because Jokic only had three assists. Denver had a 130 offensive rating tonight, and that's that's really, really high, especially against a team like the Jazz, who has an elite defensive center. So, only three assists is definitely notable. The Jazz were sitting in those passing lanes, so the Nuggets had to kind of do things more one-on-one, rely on Jamal Murray in order to make things happen. Both of those things did happen. It might not happen going forward, but I'm still pretty impressed with what I saw from both of those guys, especially Murray. They both really rose to the challenge and proved that they were as dynamic of a duo as anybody in the league right now. Time to talk about Donovan Mitchell. That dude, you knew he was going to take a lot of shots today. You knew that he was going to do his best to be as aggressive as possible. And he was aggressive, but also extremely effective. This was a heroic performance from him in which he scored 57 points, had 9 rebounds, 7 assists. He did have 5 turnovers, but hey, when you put up 57, it's it's kind of hard to complain. Um, 19 of 33 from the field, 6 of 15 from 3, 13 of 13 from the free throw line. Torrey Craig was the immediate assignment on him, but he got into foul trouble. And once he got into foul trouble, things really started to spiral for Denver. Their rotations were a little bit out of whack at that point. Uh, They brought in Jeremy Grant to play the two, and basically he was the one guarding Mitchell. Uh, Paul Millsap was also out there, and and he had a bad performance. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. had a really bad defensive game, so... They were in a really tough situation, and I wonder if Torrey Craig gets into foul trouble again, whether they go to P.J. Dozier next time. More on him later. But the Nuggets really have to do a better job of improving their pick-and-roll coverages. There are some things that they can do against Mitchell that's going to make things a little bit more difficult on him. But at some point, you just got to tip your cap. Mitchell was making a lot of tough threes. He was making a lot of tough shots in general. It wasn't just the Nuggets leaving him open. 
It wasn't just Denver's porous defense in order to limit him. He made a lot of plays, and you have to in order to get 57. So it's going to be interesting to see what this matchup looks like going forward in this series because without Gary Harris and Will Barton, I don't think Denver matches up with Mitchell very well unless Torrey Craig is out there. And so we're going to see what Denver can do with that. But I'm uh, I'm curious. I'm curious to see if Mitchell can – he's not going to score 57 again. I'd be really, really shocked if he did. But if he dropped 45, if he dropped 40, 35, like I feel like that's almost a certainty with the way that this series is going right now. So the Nuggets are going to be in a situation where they really, really have to match up with him give him as many looks as possible, and as many competent defenders going his way. The Nuggets had a lot of weaknesses out there, and it's really hard to win games consistently when teams can exploit your weaknesses the way that Utah tried to with MPJ tonight. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about MPJ. We'll talk about some of the rest of the Nuggets, including Monte Morris, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. Nuggets numbers. Ryan Blackburn here. Uh, Going solo tonight. Going to do my best to guide you through the first game of the playoffs that the Nuggets had. On Monday afternoon, Monday late morning, uh, it's an early matchup for these teams, and and I'm very poor when it comes to waking up early. So I I, I wanted to make sure to rewatch this game or at least get as many glimpses of this game as I could to give myself a further understanding of what's going on. But it was very clear tonight, and the Nuggets are going to be in this pickle for. A long time going forward. Michael Porter Jr. was the kind of defensive player in this particular matchup where he just doesn't look like a competent player. He didn't look like he belonged on the floor today in terms of his defense. Now, offensively, we'll talk about that. Like He had two amazing pull-up three-pointers in the opening minutes. Uh, Started off the game as hot as anybody. And the shots that he took were ones that they literally compared him to Kevin Durant on the halftime broadcast. And I think it makes a lot of sense. The, just the imagery of what he was doing, where where he was pulling up from, was really impressive. But he was only 5 of 13 on the game. He only had 13 points. So 13 points on 13 shots is, is fine. It's not great. Uh, didn't get to the free throw line. Didn't grab... I think he only had one offensive rebound, if I'm not mistaken. Let me check that real quick. Uh, Yeah, he had one offensive rebound, eight in total in his 31 minutes played. Uh, He was a plus four. So 
I don't want to be hasty in terms of the overall impact of what happened out there. The Nuggets were able to continue to be viable with him on the floor. However, there are going to be games where the Nuggets don't shoot as well as they did tonight. They shot 53% from three. We're going to talk about the sustainability of that in segment three. But there are going to be times where they shoot 35%. There were several games in the bubble this year that the Nuggets shot 25% from three. If they're making less than half of the threes that they made tonight, I wonder what happens to Michael Porter Jr. Because the Jazz did a great job of putting Joe Ingles on him, having him sniff out all of the defensive assignments that he was given. Uh, When Porter was out there on the offensive end, Ingles was making sure that he wasn't getting back cut, that he wasn't going to be right in the middle of the lane and, and giving up easy baskets. The easy baskets go away a lot of the times in a playoff environment. That's something that certain teams just can't really game plan for during the regular season. But Quinn Snyder's a great coach. That was probably the first thing that he looked at when he was thinking about, okay, how can I make this Denver Nuggets team less dangerous? Well, he can look back to the Nuggets game that he played in the bubble just a couple weeks ago, or maybe even just a week ago, and say, okay, Michael Porter Jr. really killed us inside. He shot poorly from three, but he killed us inside, and that is what they can't have. They immediately cut that out of everything today. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. had a really, really tough time inside, particularly because Rudy Gobert was there. And Gobert understands that if MPJ is at the rim, he's going to shoot. Like There's there's very few times where Porter's not going to rise up there. So he had a couple of times where his shot was bothered at the rim. But there were a few times where he actually got to the rim anyway. So... It's going to be interesting to see how Malone continues to play this because I think that his handling of Michael Porter Jr.'s minutes tonight was perfect. Absolutely perfect. He was with the first unit for the first six minutes. Seven minutes, actually. Took a break, came back in as the leading option on the second unit. I think that the second unit has to do a better job of incorporating him offensively. That is probably the biggest qualm I have with that group, with Monte Morris, Mason Plumley, there are several times where even when Porter had a mismatch on the floor, that Monte Morris looked him off, that he didn't give him an opportunity, that he decided, okay, we're going to run the the Morris Plumley pick and roll, the DHO game, the two-man game, try to create some good offense that way. Today, it worked. There was no doubt in my mind that that those guys actually, they had it going, and Morris had a great game, Plumley for all of the things that he has going on at times. He had a great game. Jeremy Grant hit threes. I do think that there's going to be some unsustainability on that unit that Michael Porter Jr. can solve because he has the opportunity and the ability to catch the ball in an isolation situation from three, from mid-range, Maybe get some back cuts at the rim. Maybe just get get a seal against a smaller guy when he's playing on the bench unit. He can get easy baskets. This team is going to need those easy baskets. No matter what the defensive issues are, and there were a lot of them, the Jazz targeted him on almost every possession when Donovan Mitchell had the ball. 
They're going to need the easy baskets from Michael Porter Jr. going forward because the shots were going down today, but I don't know how frequent those are going to go down going forward. This was a really good learning experience for him, though. There's undoubtedly a good learning experience. He's going to be a much better player now than he would have been had he not faced the Jazz in the first round because Joe Ingles is going to teach him a damn thing or two about playing smart basketball, about using his limited physical abilities, using the spacing on the floor, Porter's athleticism and positioning against himself in order to create baskets for Ingles, Mitchell, and others. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do, whether he can bounce back from this. I think he can. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be able to, but that's going to be a big story heading into game two for sure. Let's move to Monte Morris and PJ Dozier. I thought they were great. Those two closed the game. Uh, Morris closed over Porter in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter in the entire overtime. P.J. Dozier played 20 minutes this game, including the last five minutes of overtime, the entire overtime period. He was playing great, and the Nuggets decided to let him run with it. Malone decided to trust him. And I thought it was the right call, because... The Nuggets were in a situation with their starters, with their primary group that you think they would trust in that situation, that when Torrey Craig fouled out, the thing that I thought they were going to go to was Grant at the two, Porter at the three, Millsap at the four, and Jokic at the five. That wasn't working. That was too much size, and Mitchell was doing a great job of of getting to the space that he needed to get to, going around through, over the top of those guys whenever he needed to. So Malone counters with putting in Monte Morris and P.J. Dozier, two point guards, although Dozier's more of a combo guard, next to Jamal Murray so that there are three guards out there, Jeremy Grant, who's kind of a wing-forward hybrid, and Jokic. So the Nuggets actually went pretty small in that overtime. It was honestly reminiscent of the Murray-Harris-Barton combo, where Denver is pretty small at all of those positions, and against the Jazz, it doesn't matter. The Jazz don't have the size and the bully nature to really punish the Nuggets like that. There are other teams that do. There are going to be situations like against, if if the Nuggets were to make the second round, the Clippers, they have some bullies. The Mavericks have Luka Doncic. He is much more of a bully at 6'8", 230, 240 pounds than a guy like Donovan Mitchell is, who's more finesse. He's he's an attacker, don't get me wrong, but he's not a bully from a I'm going to move you perspective. So I'm interested in seeing how this thing goes. Uh, Morris put up great numbers down the stretch. He hit multiple clutch threes. He helped space the floor for Murray and Jokic. Played great defense, I thought, today. Dozier also played great defense. He wasn't a box score king or anything like that, but he did a lot of little things. Grabbed a couple of important rebounds. He defended well when asked to. He switched on to different guys, and I thought just played really low-mistake basketball. Didn't make any major miscues, and because of that, when Murray and Jokic got hot, it didn't really matter at the end. The Nuggets couldn't lose at that point. They were just too good offensively, 
and just didn't need to give up open shots defensively. So that could be a combo that the Nuggets go to that they may find themselves in going forward. That if Torrey Craig is in foul trouble, or maybe he just doesn't have it going and the Nuggets just need another guy, uh, maybe he's struggling in the Donovan Mitchell matchup, they can go to Murray, Morris, and Dozier and defend Donovan Mitchell with Jeremy Grant at the four. I thought Grant did a good job down the stretch against Mitchell. Let's move to Grant now because as the primary Mitchell defender in the OT period, I thought he was good. There were definitely some problems before that, and I think that that's going to be a big point of of interest going forward in this series is who defends Donovan Mitchell when he's got it going on and Torrey Craig is in foul trouble. Because it's probably not Murray, though it could be. It's probably not Morris, though for a couple possessions here or there it could be. I think it's got to be Grant. And Malone said post-game that Grant is kind of that second defender. He's the second option in guarding Donovan Mitchell on Denver's roster. So they've they've already mapped this out. They know who their options are. And without Gary Harris or Will Barton healthy, Grant's going to be counted upon. So I'm interested to see whether that can maintain Grant at six foot nine, very athletic, very rangy. He has the athleticism to stay in front of Mitchell. Denver's pick and roll coverage has to be good, and I thought Grant getting through screens and, and being able to navigate that, that was pretty bad. But that's not the only thing that he can do. And when Mitchell went to an isolation situation, when he was caught kind of on the perimeter, not necessarily knowing where to go, but then just had to go quick, I thought Grant was really good. So it's going to be a battle. One other thing on Grant, though, he, I mean, two other things. He was good scoring, uh, 19 points on 11 shots, 2 of 5 from 3, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, really started turning that free throw percentage around a little bit. I think it was like 70% in the regular season or maybe over – before the bubble time, but I think he's actually done a pretty good job as a free throw shooter lately, so that's good to see. People are going to point to the zero rebounds thing with Grant, and I will say that it is a problem, especially when Porter's not on the floor, when Millsap's not on the floor, when when Torrey Craig's not on the floor. The Nuggets ask Jokic to do so much that they need to have other guys that can rebound. When Denver goes to that small lineup, whether they have Murray, Dozier, Monte Morris, that's three point guards. Those guys aren't going to be impactful rebounders. Grant has to be. Grant has to be really good in that situation. Jokic has to be really good in that situation. They have to be able to count on that. Denver lost the rebounding battle tonight, 52-41. to it's the first time in a while that they've really lost it like that, especially with with Porter as a prevalent part of the rotation. So that's something to keep an eye on going forward, because if Grant's going to play a lot, he has to start rebounding. Zero rebounds. I don't care if you were uh, defending Donovan Mitchell at 28 feet the entire game. Like, you got to grab more than zero. Like, just, just give me a couple. Give me four. Give me five. Um, because he's going to play a lot. He really is. Mason Plumley in his 11 minutes, 
Those 11 minutes came with Jokic on the bench. That was the direct sub. Uh, they didn't play it all together today. Um, I thought it was really interesting to see Plumley give some great energy in his second stint especially. The Nuggets need to not like bleed time. They need to not bleed uh, points when Jokic is off the floor. That was their big thing last year was that they didn't have any options when Jokic was off the floor. Other teams had options, and they went to them, and they usually succeeded. In this situation, the Jazz are matching Rudy Gobert's minutes with Mason or with Nikola Jokic's. So when Nikola Jokic is off the floor, that also means Rudy Gobert is off the floor. So Mason Plumlee doesn't have to deal with Rudy Gobert. He did a couple times in the regular season, and the Nuggets were not good in those situations. So going forward. Mason Plumlee has to win the battle with Tony Bradley. He has to win the battle with uh, George's Niang. Uh, Jawan Morgan, who was a first-time starter in the Jazz rotation today uh, in his first-ever playoff game. Very odd that he that Quinn Snyder ended up doing that, but lo and behold, Jawan Morgan was a plus 17 in that starting lineup, so what do I know? Um, but Plumlee, in his limited time, he was a plus 3. In his 11 minutes. As long as the Nuggets aren't bleeding possessions. Aren't bleeding points. As long as that's not a minus 5. A minus 7. A minus 12. Then the Nuggets are going to be okay. Like I trust Jokic. And I trust Murray. To continue to put pressure. On the opposing team. And always win their minutes. Uh, if they don't win their minutes, then I think Denver's bench is good enough that they could make up the difference. But if Denver's bench is always putting themselves at a disadvantage, it puts so much more pressure on Murray and Jokic consistently. So I am looking forward to seeing what Denver can do with their group. But Mason Plumley did a good job. Six rebounds in 11 minutes. He had two assists, one steal, one block, only one turnover. Uh, was 101 from the field for two points. So he did his job. He did what he was asked to do. He was a plus three. Hard to ask much more than that. And lastly, on the takeaways from the individuals, Paul Millsap, he was he was good as a backline defender, but the rest of his game was really bad. He did not look quick enough to deal with Donovan Mitchell today. I think that's an issue. I think that's going to be something that the Nuggets have to pay attention to as the season prog- as the series progresses because if they get into a situation where Millsap is being taken off the dribble on several occasions by Mitchell and Mitchell's getting to where he needs to go, uh there were a lot of times where Murray and Mitchell Murray was defending Mitchell and Millsap was the pick and roll defender and the screener comes up to the action and Mitchell just immediately splits the double because Millsap isn't quick enough to cut off that lane, to cut off that angle. That's a problem. And If he's going to play a ton, and he did tonight, he played 29 minutes. If he's going to play that much time, the Nuggets need to know that they can count on him in those situations. He also shot the ball poorly. Uh, he also only grabbed three rebounds. This is not the, not the best Paul Millsap performance. He was the only nugget in the minus, in the plus minus department tonight. So just something to keep an eye on going forward. 
I think that he was probably surprised that Jawan Morgan, a random rookie, was the one who started today. He is a veteran. He's going to make adjustments. He understands what he has to do to be effective. So I hope the Nuggets can help him get to a good place because a good Millsap performance could be the difference in this bubble for Denver. They're going to have Jokic. They're going to have more Murray. On most nights, I think they're going to have Porter. Uh, they're going to need other guys to step up around them. Grant has really stepped up. Morris really stepped up today. Millsap, got to step up. Craig can't get into foul trouble. That's, that's really all there is to it. Although, Craig, three of five from three tonight, take a bow, sir. If you can make those shots, that's a big battleground. That is a big situation for Denver and a big win. Uh, the Jazz are going to let that happen. Like If they lose to Torrey Craig going three of five from three on a consistent basis, then they're going to tip their cap to, get to Denver and just exit out of the first round quietly. Um, so, Torrey Craig, keep shooting, dude. If you can make those, then keep doing it. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about game two. We're going to talk about how sustainable this performance is and what the Nuggets should need to watch out for. We'll be right back. Final segment on Nuggets numbers tonight. Uh, let's talk about game two. Let's talk about certain adjustments that I think both teams will make. Uh, starting from the Utah side, I think they're going to probably keep the same starting unit because Jawan Morgan, as I mentioned previously, uh, a rookie that came in and wasn't necessarily considered a guy who you thought was going to match up with Denver. Nobody even thought he was going to play. But lo and behold, he starts, plays 25 minutes, and I think he was pretty effective. He was a plus 17 in that time, and the team really figured out a way to be effective during those minutes. Um, I think the Jazz, if Mike Conley is not in the bubble by and, and he's not ready to return, which I think is almost a certainty, um, I think they're going to keep that same starting unit. I think it worked, and it's too bad that the rest, or for, for the Jazz, of course, that the rest of their stuff didn't work, but the starting unit definitely did. They they got out to a great start in that third quarter and really took it to the Nuggets. Um, let's talk about other things. Utah shot 34% from three. Denver shot 53% from three. I don't think that's sustainable for Denver. And I think I everybody would be lying if they said that they thought it was. Um, the good thing about Denver's performance is they got up 41 threes. Utah got up 47. They are going to bomb away from three-point range, as they should. They are going to try and make the math work. They're going to try and get to the rim. They're going to try and take as many threes as possible. And they're going to take as great of a shot as they can at Denver defensively to try to get the Nuggets to go back at them and, and get into a battle against them, uh, get into a shooting contest against them. In that third quarter, I thought Denver got really three-point happy, especially at the beginning, and they were missing a lot of shots that you think that they should make. So we're going to see whether those percentages flip-flop, whether they 
kind of normalized both to about 38, 40%. Uh, who is going to stop shooting first? Because they have the capacity to shoot better than they did. Uh, Joe Ingles had a great percentage. Donovan Mitchell shot 40%. He could shoot higher than that. Uh, Jawan Morgan attempted four threes. He only made one. Maybe he gets better as he gets more comfortable. Royce O'Neal was one of three. Uh, he was kind of a non-factor there. Jordan Clarkson was two of nine. One of the threes that Jordan Clarkson made, he was on his knees and, and kind of pushed off on Plumley, and then got up, kind of did a one-legged fadeaway back behind the arc and swished the thing. It was one of the most fluky things I've ever seen. But even taking that one away, even if he didn't make that, he was he was one of nine. So I really do think that Jordan Clarkson's going to have a game at some point. Uh, George's Niang was only one of four from three. I think the last time these two teams met, he was like three of four or four of four. He has the capa- capa- he has the capacity. God, uh, he has the capacity to definitely shoot better than he did. Um, now Donovan Mitchell, probably not going to go for 57 points. Torrey Craig's probably not going to foul out in 21 minutes. There are definitely things that are going to work in Denver's favor in terms of making sure that this performance is sustainable. It's not just going to be about Murray and Jokic were great. Mitchell is going to continue to be great if you're an, if you're a Jazz fan. Like he's pro- probably going to continue to score about 40 points every game because he kind of has to, but and Denver doesn't have great personnel to stop him from doing it. So they're going to let him. They're going to try and sit on some of the other options while playing as great of defense on Mitchell as they can. But I think they're going to live with that. If he's taking 30 shots to get to 40 points, they're okay with it. But he has to take he has to only get to 40 and not 50 next time. Um can Michael Porter Jr. bounce back, or is he going to wilt under playoff pressure? We saw him bounce back after game one against the, the Miami Heat in the bubble. Maybe he shoots extremely well in the games to come. And, and I mean, he still shot three of seven tonight. It wasn't like he had a bad shooting performance. He was pretty good. He wasn't getting a ton of easy things. When he starts getting easy stuff, I'll, I'll know that the Nuggets are back. Because... A lot of Denver's identity over the past eight games has been we're going to do our best to get the back cuts, to get shots under the rim, um, especially against the Jazz in that double overtime thriller, that they were able to really bully the Jazz from a size perspective. That didn't happen this time. So I hope the Nuggets can get into a situation where they're cutting freely, where they're moving well, and Jokic is finding players on a consistent basis, not turning the ball over, but like finding them consistently. Porter's one of those guys that if he can work into that system, we'll see if he can. I'm I'm not sure. He's still a rookie. I think people have to understand that, hey, this was his first playoff game ever. So it's very possible that he could get more comfortable going forward, or it's very possible that he is just kind of shot. And that teams are going to continue to attack him defensively, and there's nothing the Nuggets can do about it. So you hope that he continues to pick things up, that he continues to get better defensively as he continues to play. 
Uh, he hasn't even played a thousand minutes in the NBA yet. So I hope that continues to change for him. I hope he continues to get better. Um, the Nuggets are going to need it. Can Murray and Jokic continue to be as good as they were? Can they continue to be that level of good? They're good, and I don't think the Jazz have the personnel to stop them from being good. But they were great tonight. Like, they were the best dynamic duo in the bubble tonight. That was that kind of level. Can they continue to stay at that level? Uh, Can Murray continue to make the shots that he was making tonight? What happens if he goes through a cold spell? Are the Nuggets in trouble? I don't think he's going to go through that many cold spells, if any. Uh, He seems to be very comfortable. He seems to be in a good situation where if Utah's only option is to defend him with Royce O'Neal or Mike Conley a little bit more, I think they're going to be in a good situation. At least with Denver, with Donovan Mitchell, they could get back Gary Harris or Will Barton at any point. Uh, Torrey Craig was really good in the regular season against Donovan Mitchell. Uh, He fouled out in 21 minutes. What if he plays 35? Does Donovan Mitchell continue to score the way that he did? Probably not. Millsap missed several shots that he normally makes. Um, Denver's going to make their defensive adjustments in Game 2. I'm not sure what the Jazz can do that's going to make things that much tougher for the Jokic-Murray combo. They're probably going to be doing a little bit more blitzing. They're probably going to get the ball out of Murray's hands a little bit more. Um, Jokic being on the four-on-three fast break, or the short roll, the, the little mini break, that's probably a death sentence for Utah because he's such a great passer. So if they decide to blitz Murray really high and he can get that pass to Jokic, then it's over. Then the Jazz are done. They're dead. So we're going to see. I'm looking forward to it. Going to figure that out going forward. What time are we at right now? Oh, yeah, it's probably good. Yeah, it's going to do it for this episode of the Nuggets Numbers. Uh, I'm Ryan Blackburn, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Had a lot of fun in Game 1. The Nuggets are up 1-0 to zero in this series. Uh, we don't know what it's going to look like going forward. We can assume uh, Mike Conley's probably not coming back in time, so that's probably a good assumption. We don't know what Gary Harris and Will Barton are going to look like, whether they'll come back at all. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a bounce-back performance from MPJ. That's going to be the biggest thing for me. If he can bounce back, if Murray and Jokic can sustain their success, while Porter figures things out a little bit defensively, gets some momentum, continues to hit the shots that we know he can hit, that changes the game, and it might just be too much for Utah to deal with. That's going to do it for this episode. I'll talk to you guys very soon.